You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. If you're tuning in for the first time, God bless you. Welcome to Passion Church. Glad that you could be a part of our service today. If, um, if by chance uh, you ever get the opportunity, stop by 1119 Bryan Road right here in Cameron, Missouri, and come and fellowship with us. But it won't be long before this whole thing is lifted. We'll be able to worship together on the inside of the building. But right now, we're having a parking lot church at 2 o'clock. And if you want to come be a part of that, we would love to have you come and be a part of that. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Father, I thank you for the anointing that's already upon your word, but it's your servant, Father, that needs your touch. Precious Holy Spirit, I thank you for leading me, guiding me, directing me, direct my words to go beyond what's on this piece of paper, Father, that I have written my notes on, that the heart Father, of, of, of Jesus is really captured in this message. And those, Father, who are listening today, who might be needing just a glimmer of hope that today would be the day that the sun, S-O-N, shines brightly in their circumstance. And I give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. I want to concentrate on the part B of verse 31, if... God before us, who can be against us? If I was going to title this sermon today, it would be this, the power of if, the power of if. Now, in this particular setting, this if is not just a conjunction, it is a contractual conjunction. It's, it's basically stating in this verse based upon things that have already been said, which we will get to, based upon things that have already been said, uh, if you enter into this agreement, if God be for us, who can be against us? If you enter into that agreement, comes all of the benefits that back that agreement. It's like a contract. It's, It's an if that's saying there's great possibility here if you'll receive it. But you have the right to take this if in the, another direction if you so choose and bypass the contractual agreement of these words. So based upon that, I want to get into a message today that I pray will be an encouragement to you. This, this power of if, this if, this contractual conjunction, it demands a decision or an action to receive the benefit or the circumstances of the benefit or the agreement. So basically it's demanding that you make a decision to enter into this agreement or to walk away from this agreement. Our current circumstances, I feel, have put such an air of uncertainty around our nation that it is as if 
someone has placed a big if above our heads, and it feels as though it's hanging in the atmosphere over us and around us. That, that iffy feeling is, is it going to be okay or is it not? Are things going to be able to be returned to normal soon or not? It, it feels like everything is hinging on if in our lives right now. This particular if that's hanging over us feels like uncertainty. It feels like if they open up the state, maybe things will get better. If the virus gets larger and stronger, what are we going to do? If the economy crashes, what will that do to us? If they develop a vaccine, maybe we'll survive this. If I get exposed, will I get the virus? And I, I, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's so iffy. We're going, when I go to the store, I, I pray that I have that if opportunity to, if I can get some toilet paper. <laughs> that two-letter conjunction has never felt as large as it does right now in this moment. Everything seems as if it has if written in front of it or hanging over it. If our president comes up with a plan, if our economy doesn't crash, if, 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 if. But I just want to deliver to you just real quickly. I'm probably getting ahead of my message, but I just want to deliver to you a little hope right now. If God before us, who can be against us. There's a large if hanging over us, but there's a larger if waiting to be entered into. There's a larger contractual idea and agreement waiting for you if you can just figure out where if lands for you. That two-letter conjunction, as I said, has never felt as large as it does now, but I want you to understand that that conjunction if is the tipping point between success and failure. It's as if we have to leverage this if to either tip to the side of I'm entering into that contract or I'm or tipping to the side of I don't need that contract. If is the tipping point between success and failure, life and death, coffee filter or disposable diaper for a mask. <laughs> Which one's going to make me safer? <laughs> if, if, if fear is left unchecked, it will call for the collapse of society and even large segments of the church. As long as we let if go unanswered, hanging in the atmosphere above us and around us in our life, and we leave it unchecked, and we don't decide which direction is the tipping point, we are going to be bound to a life 
of uncertainty and fear and worry and dread. Fear unchecked certainly will destroy our economy, our society, our way of life. If we leave it hanging, if we leave it just hanging in the air, untipped, unleveraged, then we're going to put ourselves in a place of real difficulty. And although all of that's very important, my real thrust today is simply this. The thing that I'm most concerned about is the mental and emotional stability of the believer and especially the non-believer. The child who's already said, I, I, I choose God, because even those of us who know him, when we're faced with an if, still have to make the, the, the uh, attention, uh, how do I want to say, the intentional decision that I'm going to tip my if in the direction of God and know that if God is for me, nothing can be against me. Because even a child of the Most High God can get caught in a moment when if you don't answer the momentary fear, the momentary worry, and become complacent about the if that hangs above you and don't settle it in your heart, it can unravel major things in your life. The same with the non-believer, they don't know to lean upon God, so this if is hanging over their head as a doom and gloom. All they can see is the negativity. They don't know there's a positive because there are no positive solutions. There, nothing has been set in stone. We have gotten some word that things are going to come back to, to life, things are going to come back to normal, but we don't know when. Because one camp says one thing, another camp says another. And so they keep the if in the atmosphere above us. And I'm concerned with those who have no hope or who have given up hope where God is concerned. I want you to understand that no matter how much if hangs in the air, no matter how much it is over me, I've already determined as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've already determined in my own heart, I'm serving God. I'm going all the way with him. It doesn't matter how crazy the world gets. I've got a God. I've got a God of promise. I've got a God who's promised me that in the midst of a time of famine, he'll bring prosperity out of a land that cannot produce for anyone else, but it will for me because I believe. I, I have... I have already settled the issue in my heart. There is a God, and I believe him. There is a creator, and I believe in him. But I'm concerned about those who have no hope or who have given up hope where God is concerned. For those who have tipped the scale uh, of if away from God, they're, they're in a position where whatever comes down the pike Whatever is said, whatever gloom, whatever fear, whatever worry comes down the pike, they will surely be affected by it. And I've come today to raise those expectations. I'm here today to let you know things are never as bad as they seem if you have God. Mm. I want to talk a little bit more about if. If defines 
our deepest regrets. Think about it. If only such and so. If defines impossible circumstances as if that could ever happen. If, though, on the other hand, now those first two have a negative connotation, but listen. If, on the other hand, can be pregnant with possibility, what if? One of the most positive people I've ever met in my life happens to be my wife, Pastor Colleen. And Pastor Colleen uh, has lived her life on what if. What if? Not, not the doom and gloom, not if only, not as if, but she has always lived her life on what if. When I would sometimes see things in a negative light, bill collectors calling and all, she would say, well, what's the worst that can happen? Can they kill you? No. <laughs> then what are you worried about? And, and this is the kind of message I want you to understand today that what if I choose, I choose to go with what if. I want the possibilities that are in God, not the negativities of man's thinking. One more thing. It, if can uh, also overcome all refutations. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. it. It settles an issue. It can settle it if you tip the if in the right direction, if you leverage it in your life to tip towards the, the, the agreement of God, you will find that there are no ifs, ands, or buts. The promises of God are yes and amen. And even though circumstances around you could be stacked against you, you serve the God who makes the impossible absolutely probable. You serve a God who takes the negative and turns it into a positive. You serve a God who can rescue you out of certain death in the midst of everything, going backwards, upside down, and topsy-turvy. One little if can change your life. One little if can change your life for better, or worse, it's all how you choose to tip your if. Religion says if you work hard for Jesus, he will accept you. Now, the key word there is religion. Listen again. Religion says if you work hard for Jesus, he will accept you. But truth says, the truth of God's word says, Jesus is head over heels, crazy in love with you, and he wants you to receive him. And if you'll step into his crazy upside down love for you, he will he will order the steps of your life, and he will predetermine in the end of all things, if you say yes to him, that it ends in eternal life for you. And no matter what happens on this side of eternity, when you step across the veil, all is well because you tip the scale of your if in the direction of Jesus. We're not coming to Jesus. We're not coming to God to try to be as good as we can to prove to him, look how good I can be. 
Because we've already found out, according to the Word of God, if you know the Word of God, you understand it. The Word says that my righteousness, your righteousness, because we're born after the, the, uh, the, the loins of the first man, Adam, we are born in sin. We are shapened in iniquity. The best that I can be is but filthy rags in the presence of God. But through Christ Jesus, I can take the if, uh, the ifs of my life and all the negativity of my life and tip that scale into his agreement, and he can do for me what I can never do, and he's so crazy in love with me that he made a way where there was no way so that I could enter into his agreement and share in his goodness. You are destined for a life of what-if possibilities. Either direction that you go, there's going to be an if hanging over your life hanging over your head. I choose the what-if possibilities. And you should choose the what-if possibilities. I don't have time to go into all of the uh, reading of, of this passage, but in this same chapter, because what I brought you to was the conclusion of eight ifs. Eight ifs that are found in Romans, the eighth chapter. And these eight ifs lead us to this final conclusion, if God be for us, who could be against us? I'm going to go through them real quick. They're verses uh, 9 down through 31, but look at this. In verse 10, let's start with verse 9. In verse 9, it starts this way. Here are the ifs. If God's Spirit dwells in you, then you have his nature. If his spirit is in you, if you've already made that if and entered into that contract with God, his spirit is now resident on the inside of you. Now, think about that. If God is for me, who can be against me means that with Christ in me, I cannot fail. With Christ in me, even if society deems my life to be nothing but a failure, if I never live in anything greater than a cardboard box, but I have Christ in my heart and in my life, at the end, I win. At the end, I win. Now, I'm, I fare much better than that because God is a good God. But there are people around the world and maybe people watching me right now that maybe you don't have it as well economically, but if you have the treasure of Christ Jesus, the pearl of great price, you're richer than anyone in your nation. You're as rich as any rich man can be because you share in the opulence of not only the relationship and the promise of Jesus, but you will share in his kingdom with him. And it says that you are seated in heavenly places. Now that you know where Jesus sits, he sits at the right hand of the Father, the place of favor in a throne. And you, if you have him and have the pearl of great price, will be seated beside him, or already seated beside him in his throne. The second if, if you are not filled with the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God is not in you, then you are not of his nature. 
Now, those first two verses there, those first two ifs, they define the measure of your relationship to God. You either have him or you don't. If you have him, you should have no fear. I know there are natural fears that come at us. I know that. But you should be able to rise above it because of the spirit that dwells in you. But if you don't know him, then it's natural for you to fear everything that comes down the pike. Because man, at the core of man's center of his makeup, is a spirit called self-preservation. No one wants to die because that was a curse that was handed to man in the garden for his treason. Hmm. The third if... It sounds similar to the first two. If Christ, first it was if the Spirit of God. Now, if Christ, which is the Spirit of God, is in you, sin is dead in you. <laughs> That's a promise right there. Woo, hallelujah. I'm standing behind this pulpit, but it's just simply because if I run up and down this aisle, this camera can't catch me. Mm, but I feel like running. I feel like running. There's a promise down in my spirit. Sin is dead because I tipped my if towards Christ. If he can save me, then why would I not go for him? If he can make my life better, why would I reject him? If he's the answer to all of my hopes and the fears and the dreads that I have in this life, then why would I not tip the scale towards him? He is the reason for my if. It is Christ and with him sin, that issue that kills me in the natural, that makes this body fall into a grave, cannot taint me spiritually ever again, and I enter in to eternal life with God and am seated in, in the throne with Christ Jesus because I have settled my sin issue. Mm. In verse 11, the next if, if Christ is in you, your body will resurrect like Jesus did. Your body will resurrect when Christ comes for his own. And we have that promise in the word that one day Christ will return. Even he doesn't know the day. It's locked up in the heart of the Father but if you're watching and seeing the signs of the time, you know we've entered into what appears to be this, the, the very beginning edges of the time of sorrow, where men are grabbing to steal the freedoms and to control the populace. We're, we're entering into a time uh, uh, of where people are screaming for a global governance and a tracking system. If you know anything about Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation, you know that we're inching, inching, inching. There's also a very a very uh, great, I, I want to be real careful here because I'm not trying to be ugly, but there's a great push coming out of Rome now to unite all of the religious systems of the world into one super church. And those who resist will be considered outlaws. Those who resist the world governance will be outlaw. And I just, I'm not trying to, 
I know that's a big if that's hanging over us, but I, I'm handing you hope on how to navigate the, unsure, the unsuredness of the time in which we're in. Look at this. If Christ is in you, your body will resurrect the same as Jesus came up out of the grave, the same as Jesus stood outside of the tomb of Lazarus and called him forth. Your body will not lay in decay forever. God will call it back. Mm. And it'll be like the body that Christ had after he resurrected. It wasn't held to uh, the same laws as our body is here right now in the natural. After his resurrection, his molecular structure was different. He could appear and disappear. He could show up and then be gone. He could, he, he could still eat. He could still fellowship. He could still be touched. He was still tangible. But there was something different about his personage. And that is a promise that is given to us if God before us. Mm. Verse 13 says that if you live a carnal life, now we're going to the other side. If you live a carnal life, all of your life, all you have to look forward to is a natural and spiritual death. You will die twice. You will die twice. That's what the word says. And when that second death is worse than death. It isn't just not existing. It's existing. Oh, you'll exist, but you'll exist in torment and pain and suffering. And you'll gnaw your tongue for the heat of the torment that has been loosed upon you. Your mind will lose all credibility. And you will, your, your senses will be tested to the place that, that you just you would rather not exist, but you won't be able to escape it. Mm. There's a second part of that if. That's number five, and it's found in verse 13. If you live a carnal life all your life, all you have is death. But if you let the Holy Spirit lead you, you will conquer death. Because you've been made more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus, he whipped this battle for us. He went to death, hell, and the grave and fought a battle that we could never win and won it in our behalf. Because of his sinless nature, he earned the right to fight this battle for you and for me. And if I let him into my life, if I follow his statutes, if I let him be the God of my life, and my days, and my decisions. My life will amount to something. My life will count for something. My life will be something that can be looked up to. My life will be something that will encourage others. My life will lead the way into life everlasting because I've been made a joint heir with Christ Jesus, and because I live in his victory, I am more than an overcomer. Mm. The sixth if is this one. If we are his children, then we are his heirs. If you let Jesus in, you become Jesus' brother or sister. If you let Jesus in, suddenly everything Jesus owns in both heaven and earth is now yours. 
It belongs to you. It's the same as you have title deed to everything Jesus has. Jesus is so generous that he fought your battle, won your battle, took the victory, and then gave the victory to you. Wow. We're going to live in his victory for the remainder of our days. Eternally, I will live in the victory of Jesus, and I have the right to everything that heaven and earth can give me. It is mine. I'll be able to walk down streets of gold and go, wow, look at my beautiful street. You'll be able to walk down streets of gold and go, look at my beautiful street. You'll be able to live in the mansion because Jesus promised us that. He said, he said, where I go, there are many dwelling places. There are many mansions. There are many places to live. And, and, and I'm going back to heaven to make sure they're ready for you, that when you arrive, you can arrive at your reward. Mm. He's also made us kings and priests because we're heirs. And because of that, I get to wear a crown a crown of life. I get to walk around with a crown. And the word says that when we stand before him, we'll be so compelled by what he's done for us that we will take that crown and lay it at his feet, saying, you deserve to wear the crown more than me. Mm -hmm. I've got to hurry. Number seven, the seventh if. If we suffer on this side, for the cause of Christ, if we become outlaws and society comes against us, if they want to shut the church down, if they want to silence the preaching of the gospel, if they want to come against us, if we should suffer, the word says we will also share in his glory. So if America's... Uh, uh, Tolerance for the gospel was to shift or to change. I, I want you to understand, wherever you live, I don't know what your government is like towards you, towards you as a believer. If you're suffering, I want you to understand something you're sharing, and you've already laid hold to the promise that you will share in the glory of Jesus that you will be seen in heaven as someone important, as a VIP, as someone who has the Father's heart, who will be greatly rewarded before those who didn't suffer. You will share in the glory and some of the reward that Christ has because he suffered. Mm hmm if persecution should come, rejoice because it only adds to your reward. And then number eight, if we keep the faith, if, if we keep the faith while waiting for his promise, understanding that we don't get some of these things until we get into the next life. Understanding that some of these things are in eternity and not in the moment. They're future for us. But if we'll hold on to that and not lose our faith in it, just because something here might go backwards, listen to me. If that happens, we have the promise 
He's coming. He's looking. He understands. He knows the plight. He knows what you're going through. He sees you, and he's coming. He's coming. So hold on. Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Don't lose it because you feel as though maybe God has delayed his coming. He's waiting till time is pregnant for his second return. And when it comes, he will come exactly right on time. With Lazarus, it seemed as though it was one day too late, but it was just in time for a mighty miracle. It was just in time to show the world that preconceived notions can be wiped away in God because he, when he comes... When life comes, death is swallowed in life. And if you're struggling and you're struggling to hold on to your faith, don't give in. Hold on. Hold on. Put your if in. If God be for us, then who, who, who can be against us? If God is for me, I've got everything to hold on to and everything to look forward to. Hmm. Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? The tipping point is if, if you've let Christ in, then peace is your reward. Mm. What can man or circumstance do to you to steal your faith or your promise if you understand that God is for you? What can man do? What circumstance can steal God out of your heart if you've already tipped the scale in his direction? And if you haven't, I'm giving you a powerful promise today that you can run into the safety of God even in the here and now because you can become in agreement with the promise he has given that he will keep you protect you, give you peace, and come for you when the time is right. Mm -hmm. People often reject the gospel because they do not understand that God is absolutely crazy about them. <laughs> they so often filter their feelings toward God through the thought I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So much of the world have rejected church because they think they're not good enough. And they make little jokes. If I come in, the ceiling will fall. I'm such a sinner, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, you're a sinner. Yeah. And so am I, and so is everyone else who's ever drew a breath on this earth except Christ Jesus. We've all had our moments. We've all had those situations. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. We've all fallen short. No one has it all going on. And even after we come to Christ and the sin issue is dealt with, we still have a flesh that wars against us. And so the people that you've often seen in the church that you deem as a hypocrite, there's no better place for them to be than in the church because that's the place we get it right. That's the place we congregate. That's the place we measure ourselves by the word. That's the place that we come together to help one another 
do our best to do this right. I know sometimes unwitting people can use Christ as a crutch in the, in the sense that they don't really serve him, but they want to use his name to get what they want. They want to use his name so that they look favorable to other people that they want to influence in their life. And so I can understand sometimes why people are put off by the church, by the people of the church. But you know people don't reject God because of God. They reject God because of how he's been represented by other people. Mm. And so often we filter our feelings. I'm just not good enough. I want to throw this out to you, and we're almost through. (laughs) Stop filtering through the thought, I'm not good enough, because what if you are? What if you are good enough? Do you know there's no prerequisite to clean up anything to come to Christ? I don't have to go through classes. I don't have to. There's a lot of things I do not have to do to come to him. I do not have to prove to him that I'm worthy. He deems me worthy. That's why he went to the cross. He's already predetermined. This is worth doing. This is worth dying for. There are people who will accept my if and come into contract with me. There are those who will populate heaven with me because they've entered into my contract. There are those who will live this life and try to encourage others to come to me, and so it's worth it for me to go to the cross and pay a horrendous price that those people who feel they're not good enough can realize that with the Father you are. You don't have to change anything. The alcoholic thinks he has to quit drinking to come to Jesus. No, you really don't. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that there's not a cleanup. I came to Christ with all kinds of mess. And slowly but surely, just like when Lazarus came out of the tomb, the death rags that were wrapped around me began to become peeled from my life. And some of those issues hung on for quite some time, but the sin issue was already dead in my life, and God was working with me to get it out of my mind, will, and emotions so that I could become more solidified in my contract with him as I go. The drug addict thinks he has to quit. No, just come. There's a deliverance in Christ Jesus. The adulterer thinks, "Ah, I can never be right again. No, it's horrible. It's horrible, but I've done horrible things, and so have you. But understand this. There's nothing too deep, too ugly, that a man can't find God. I've heard of serial killers finding God and getting forgiveness. There's nothing too bad for God to woo you to come and enter into his agreement. So what if you are good enough? God is love. Who doesn't want to be loved? The essence of God is love. That's what motivated him to go to the cross. That's what motivated him to create us. He wanted to love you. 
He wanted to create something he loved. He wanted to create something that looked like him, walked like him, talked like him, had some of his attributes. And he created you. The crowning achievement of all of creation is you. And he's so crazy in love with you. You are good enough. What if God is so for you that he would fight every demon of life, death, hell, and the grave for you? Can I give you some good news? He's already done it. He's already done it. It's already, it's already happened. What if God is so for you that he would die in agony to bring you peace? He's already done it. It already happened. It has already come to fruition. What if God understood completely your heartache, your trouble, your struggle, your brokenness, your self-loathing, your shame, and your mental anguish? What if God already understands it, already relates to it, has already brought a deliverance to you for it. The Bible says that we have a high priest that understands the feelings, the anguish, the loathing. He understands our feelings, our thoughts, our pains, our struggles. What if he's already taking care of it and he's offering you to enter into comfort and peace and rest? When you lay your head on your pillow at night, you no longer loathe what you've done that day, but you're excited to be alive because you feel free. Think about waking up instead of on a Sunday morning, you wake up with your head hurting and throbbing and everything about your life being backwards and upside down and turmoil and trial and strife and heartache and relationship issues. But you just woke up and said, wow, it is so awesome to be alive. This is what God is offering you in his contract. And what if he had a remedy to the pain and the struggle that you're in right now. <laughs> and what if a simple conversation with God could activate a whole new life for you? And what if this was your last chance to find out? God is for you. Life is uncertain on this side of the veil. But God's offering you an opportunity to make it certain forever. I've let that hang in the air for just a moment. I want you to understand how important you are to the Father how important you are to the Son. 
and to the Holy Spirit. The Father loved you to send the Son. The Son loved you to pay the price. And the Holy Spirit loves you to move into your heart, to be the Christ in you, to lead you, guide you, direct you, help you, convict you, and help you change from the inside out until you look so much like Jesus, the world can't tell you apart. What if today was the last opportunity you had to answer this contract? Would you walk away? Or would you leverage this if into life eternal? If you're going to walk away, I release you. I release you. Because your decision is your decision. God won't override your decision and neither will I. But if, if this sounds right, then I want you to let me pray with you and help you. I'm going to say words, but you can pray from your heart because God hears you. And you may feel like your words aren't adequate. Oh, they're adequate. Or God wouldn't have put this opportunity in your path. But I'm going to pray, and you can pattern that prayer if you want to. The main thing is that it comes out of your heart and out of your want and out of your desire. The main thing is that you leverage your if into life eternal. Are you ready? Then pray with me. Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm filled with heartache. Everything in my life is topsy-turvy. I don't know quite what to do with me. I don't know how to change my circumstance. And I've heard your offer that you want to be for me that you want to iron out my eternity and you want to fix my here and now. And because of that, I'm asking you, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, move into my heart and be the Christ in me. Father, accept me and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Set the dinner table, Father, for the marriage supper of the Lamb for one more. Because I'm coming home. I'm coming home to you, Jesus. I'm coming home, and I will never leave. Because from this moment forward, my eternity will be sure. Jesus, I say yes. Father, I say yes. Holy Spirit, I say yes. And forever, I will learn of your word. I will grow. I will find a church that believes the way I believe.
and I will become a disciple, a disciplined learner of your truth all the days of my existence on earth and forever in eternity. Let the issue be settled. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 I want you to understand something. You prayed that prayer with me. You have entered from death into life eternal. It's that simple. It's simply believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Don't back up on what has happened today. Not everybody's going to be happy about your decision, but you keep it strong in your heart. Don't let anyone pluck you out of the decision that you have made. You stay in him. You run in him. Be sure to drop us a line and let us know that you have prayed that prayer with us. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.